Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin wal aqib zil muttaqin wa la adwana illa 'alal zalimin wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu rabbil alamin wa ashhadu anna sayyidina wa nabiyyana Muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu al mab'uthu rahmatan lil 'alamin sallallahu ta'ala 'alayhi wa 'ala alihi wa ashabihi at-tayyibin at-tahirin wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin wa da'a bi da'watihi ila yawmid din amma ba'd. So alhamdulillah this is an opportunity for us every week the brothers and sisters come together to study the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and benefit from the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire ourselves to purify our hearts and to uh, grant us guidance there's a hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam with respect to this very amal the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said la yajlisu qaumun fi baytin min buyutillah Whenever any group of people sit in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يَطْلُونَ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ And they recite the book of Allah. وَيْتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِي مَا بَيْنَهُمْ And they discuss it among themselves. They learn what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. They make an effort to try to understand, to implement. وَيْتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِي مَا بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا حَفَتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ But this gathering will be surrounded by the angels. And غَشِيَتْهُمْ It is covered by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ مُسَّكِينَةِ The sakina, which is a special tranquility, descends in this gathering وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remembers uh, these individuals in the company of those who are near him Meaning the angels So subhanallah, let us remind ourselves of this beautiful virtue that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said, and increase our yaqeen that this is a reality. Fi baytin min biyutillah. When they sit in the house of Allah, yathuluna kitab Allah, reciting the book of Allah, wa itadarasulahu fi ma baynahum, and discussing and learning it among themselves. So, inshallah, this is what we hope to do tonight and continue, inshallah. Now, Mufti Adimuddin, uh, he is traveling. He went for Umrah. And he's not here with us, but he was continuing with you in Surah Taha, in Surah Taha the story of Samari and Musa salam. It is an extended story of Musa salam, which begins right uh, in the first few ayats of Surah Taha that begin. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, starts out ayat number nine, right in the beginning. Taha ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'an litashqa. Describing his greatness, Allahu la ilaha illahu lahu al-asma'u al-husna, and then ayah number nine, وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى And this is a question from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And do you know the story of Musa alayhi salam? So this is an istifama question. And this is the title of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to attract our attention. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he did not need to use all of these devices if we would pay attention to his words because he is our creator, he is our maker, this is his kalab, we are his servants, we are his creation. He did, he was not, was, he did not need to do all of these things, but there are so many different literary devices that the scholars of tafsir, they elucidate, they explain, subhanAllah, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally is going out of his way to explain different points in the, in the most effective, most profound, most deep manner. And this is one of those occasions where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have just begun the story 
and had given us the lesson. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to attract our attention and He knows that we are so distracted and we are so lost in our worldly uh, material pursuits, fulfilling our naf- desires of our nafs, Ammara bisu, which is propelling us towards evil, that He asks a question. And He says, Hal ataka hadith Musa? Do you know the story of Musa? So when we, uh, as teachers, we are always constantly learning how to teach better and become more effective teachers. This is a concept in education as well, where uh, modern teaching methodology as well, they have done research and they say there's a concept of unfreeze. Yeah, right? So you, when the student comes in the class, uh, their minds are frozen and they are, you know, stagnant. They are not ready to receive the new information. Uh, so you have to unfreeze the brain. Unfreeze it, defrost it. There are different techniques they have come up with of how to unfreeze the brain. Then when it's thought, now it's, uh, the, it's active, it's activated. So it's thinking at a, a, higher capac- a higher level. Then you can transmit the information. But at the end you have to, again, freeze it so that it becomes solid and it stays in their mind what knowledge was imparted. Otherwise, then they may end up losing that. So one of the ways they do that is they, talk, uh, they teach you know, teaching teachers how to teach. There's a concept of asking a question in the beginning of the class. What do you guys think about this point? So the students are supposed to start thinking, oh, how does that principle work? Or how does this thing, whatever the concept may be, irrespective of the concept, from, from science and history to language to humanities to whatever the co- to topic may be. You ask, you pose a question. So students start thinking about the question. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hey, do you know? Do you know what is the story, Musa? Have you heard about it? Musa? So you're supposed to start thinking, wait, wait a second, what is the story of Musa? Do I know all of it? Is there a new chapter that's coming in the story of Musa? So I was just pointing out that the story started right in the first few ayat. And it is continuing from ayah 9, where uh, last week, Mufti Azimuddin left off. It was somewhere around here, uh, ayah 95, 96. So, subhanAllah, the story of Musa is continuing through all of these ayat. Now, he was right at the tail end, and there's some concluding uh, last chapter of that story as, uh, with respect to what is conveyed here in Surah Taha. So, I wanted to allow him to, inshallah, when he comes back to uh, complete the story. Because he was taking it at a particular style, particular way he was expressing himself. Certain parts of the story he may have mentioned. I do not want to repeat some things he may have. I do not want to say, uh, I do not want to repeat, nor do I want to miss any portion of that. So if we jump ahead a few ayats ahead, where that story ends is right here, I-99. So only a few ayats, I'm skipping up to ayah number 99. I want to start from here. And these ayat that we selected today is a transition between two stories. Between the end of the story of Musa salam and Samari, Somebody appeared at the end of the story of Musa al-Islam. We started from, subhanAllah, the time he was traveling with his wife and when he met Allah Ta'ala, he spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the burning bush. He was shocked. He saw a green bush, bright, bright green, yet it's, it's burning at the same time. That whole scene and, you know, throwing the staff, turning into a snake and all of these pages and pages and ayat and ayat, right? 
subhanallah that's what, so right at the end we are at the point of summary so inshallah he will conclude that ta'ala when he returns so from ayah 99 there is a transition where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about yawm al-qiyamah and there are some general ayat to uh, inculcate the fear of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our hearts ayat regarding wa'ad from allah advice from allah such tathkir which will soften our hearts inshallah and if we are able to complete what we set out to tonight, we should go all the way up to 114. Uh, 114, inshallah, is where this section ends. From 115, ayah number 115 is the next section. The next section from ayah 115 is the story of Adam alayhi salam. So a new story starts from there. That's ayah 115. So, objective today is to cover from 99 to 114 or yeah to 114 inshallah. so bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says so it is like this see this is the end of the story that's why Allah is saying we have related unto you, O Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Min Amba'i Maqad Sabak. Some, Min means not all of them, some of the tidings, the news. Amba is the of Nabun, news. Amma Yitasa'alun Anin, Naba'il Azim, great news. Typically, the word Naba is used for future prophecies, and Khabar and Akhbar is used for past. But over here, it shows that the word can be also used for past incidents. Because it says, Maqad Sabak. Such stories, such incidents, tidings as it comes in the translation here, Maqad Sabak that have gone before you. Nabun is our stories of or incidents that are unseen, things that a person has not himself witnessed. For example, if I come here and talk about my trip, or if Mosul Azimuddin comes and gives his the story of his Umrah and how much, you know, who he met and how his journey was, that would not be a Naba. Why is not a Naba? Because that's something he experienced himself. But if it is such an event which a person has not experienced but is prophesizing regarding the future, uh, then the word Naba is used. And from the word Naba, we have the word Nabi. And a Nabi. In English, we, we term it as a prophet. Prophet, prophecy. So Nabawan is a prophecy, and Nabi is the prophet. The prophet is the one who gives the prophecies. Just like we have the word Rasul, comes from Risala. So Risala is a message, and the Rasul is the one who brings the message. So the translation, if you want to be very accurate from a literal definition perspective of the word in the dictionary, you can translate Rasul as messenger and you translate Nabi as prophet but of course common usage they are both interchangeable this is how we have related to your Prophet now the reason these uh, past events are called Naba even though they're not future prophecies is because there's a message here that the miraculous nature of the Naba, of the prophecy, is that how do you know what's going to happen? How are you able to tell us about things that are going to happen in the future? Uh, particularly near future. 
is even more profound. Why? Because it happens very soon, and then it is proven that the prophecy is true. And if it's far off future, it may not be proven right away, but those who see it later, they will realize that, wow, this prophecy is true. So there is a miraculous nature to the news. That's what makes the Naba a Naba. In this case, even though they are past stories, it's still miraculous. Because how do you know the details of all of the above? It's not that you were there, nor do you have any of the normal means of acquiring that knowledge. So that's why, even if it's a past historical event, since he did not have access to the historical record, the fact that he is giving accurate descriptions of events that happened in the past is still as miraculous as giving uh, prophecies of events to occur in the future. Anyway, that's with respect to the why the word Amba was used rather than min akhbari ma khad sabah. Okay, we relate to you, Prophet something of the tidings of those nations, khad sabah, that have gone before you. Sabaqa means to go ahead. So the one who goes ahead in the race, the winner is the sabiq. Wasabiqunas, sabiqun, ulaikal muqarrabun. Those who are far ahead of everyone, they will be near Allah in the yawm al qiyamah. And the one who is left behind is called masbuq. The one who is left behind is masbuq. So sabiq goes ahead, masbuq is left behind. Subhanallah. And if anyone has studied fiqh of salah, you'll say, oh, wait a second, I heard of someone in fiqh of salah we covered that when there is a there are three types of per- people who perform salah one is the imam the one who leads one is the muqtadi the follower third one is the munfarid who prays alone so there's three types of people who are praying there's no fourth option either you're an imam the leader muqtadi the follower or munfarid praying alone are there is there any logical fourth category In case I'm missing it, I don't think so, right? Okay, so there's three scenarios. Then the muqtadi, the follower, is of three. Three subcategories of the muqtadi. One is the one who's there from beginning to end, is the mudrik. Second one, who comes late, the jamaat starts ahead. And then, just like the teacher says, okay, all those who came late to class, stand up. So when the salah finishes, all those who came late, what do they do? Stand up. Right? So we, we had one uh, teacher in Sarf, Mufti Muhammad Ali. So he was very, very, very kind. Let me preface this by the following by saying he's very kind, very loving, very extremely gentle. Uh, those who are listening online may not be able to appreciate the fact how he would smile like if I try to copy what he used to say. So Sarf, there's a lot of memorization in Sarf, in morphology. You have to memorize uh, the verbs and the conjugations. So there's always, every day there's a lesson. It's like Hif's class, you have to memorize. So he would come inside the class and he would smile, very beautiful smile. And he would start off by saying that Sare Mujrim Kare Hodao. So all the criminals stand up. So who are the criminals? Those who didn't memorize or missed the first rakat, they're the criminals. So that's why everyone stands up. So that, those people who are standing up, they are the what? Masbuq. And the third category is lahiq. Lahiq is the one who joined from the beginning, then during the salah, his wudu broke. Then he goes, makes the wudu and comes back. So is he late? Not technically late because he started on time. But is he there from beginning till end? No, because he broke his wudu in the middle. That's your third category, lahiq. 
each one has a fiqhi ahkam. Now the masbuq is the one who came late. But it's interesting. Interesting is the wording. Because we just covered, sabiq is the one who what? goes ahead. And masbuq is the one who is left behind. So, um, if for example, something hap- goes before the appointed time, like sometimes they, the flight leaves before time, no it actually wouldn't. Perhaps what happens is the flight sometimes, what happens is they delay it. They say the flight was scheduled to leave at 8 o'clock, but now it's going to be delayed one hour, 9 o'clock. So you're thinking it's going to be 9 o'clock. But then when you go there, they say, oh, you know, the pilot tried to make, uh, he was trying to make up the lost time, and he re- reached the gate, so the flight departed at, you know, 8.30, 8.45. So you missed it. So it went ahead of the time they're given. So when something goes ahead and you're left behind, and you, you know, why did you prepone it? You're before time, and you're left behind. That person is technically musbuk. So over here, the salah starts on time. No one's praying salah before time. But the reason the word masbuq is used is, is indicative of the fact that this is an adab. You don't want to say, how dare you call the poor guy and say, you're the one who delayed and you came late. Rather, subhanAllah, the salah went ahead and I was left behind. I'm coming to catch up. SubhanAllah. So that's the word masbuq. So Allah Ta'ala says here, we are revealing to you the tidings of those nations that have gone before you. Sabaka, they have passed. وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ We have truly given you مِنْ لَدُنَّا Solely from us. This is the ilm ladunni from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. See, everything comes from Allah, isn't it? All things come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right in the beginning of the Quran, when we have Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praises belong to Allah. So this alif lam of Alhamdulillah is istighraqi. Jami'ul Muhammad. All the praises belong to Allah. Then this is a very old school classical textbook question. Okay, all the praises belong to Allah. How is that so? Because doesn't anyone say, that's what a beautiful day. Or, well, mashallah, what a beautiful building. Or what a beautiful this or that. So, that is beautiful a, a praise? Yes. Is the building Allah? No. So is other than Allah being praised? Yes. But the Quran says, Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah. So how do you resolve that? It's very simple. Is that anything that is being praised is a creation of Allah. Because everything in existence can be categorized into two. There's no third category. Which is the, what are the two categories? Khaliq and Makhluq. How many Khaliq? There's one Khaliq. How many Makhluq? Everything else in existence. So there is no third category. There's one sole creator and everything else in existence is his creation. So when you're praising anything, you're either praising Khaliq or Makhluq. Can you be praising anything else? So if you're praising Khaliq, you're directly, directly praising Allah. And if you're praising Makhluq, you are indirectly praising Allah. There's no way you cannot be praising Allah. Simple as that, right? So, and then what happens when you say, oh, you're praising? Well, we kind of already answered it because we went really basic and we defined everything in existence as Khaliq and Makhluq. But if you come a slower path, another path, then a question comes on that, which is, wait a second. If you say it's a beautiful day, God, Allah created the day. But if you say a beautiful building, then we'll say that, subhanAllah, there are human elements here. First of all, it's the designer. Design meaning from the architect to the structural engineer, all right, to the interior decorator. Then there's a craftsmanship of the one who implemented the design. Right? One is the person who made the design and those who actually built it. They have a craftsmanship. So this is, 
is this made by Allah or is it made by human beings? So what's the answer to that? Who gave the intelligence to the human being? Who gave the skill to the human being? At the end of the day, you cannot escape. So all praises belong to Allah. Now, having said that, what happens here? وَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ ذِكْرًا I have given you this reminder, Allah could have said so. Why did He add this min ladunna solely from us? Hey, everything is from you anyway. If Allah is the mu'ti, Allah is the granter. The reason He added this min ladunna means, again, it goes back to things can be given from Allah directly and indirectly. So Rasulullah the knowledge that he got, was it through a human teacher indirectly or was it given directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? There is some knowledge that came through the medium of Jibreel who is not human, he's an angel, he was a messenger. He was conveying the message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the understanding of the Quran, the depth of the knowledge that he had, who was teaching him that? No human being. And uh, in, uh, this, is, this is very, very important. It's central to our aqidah regarding the risala, prophethood of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Subhanallah. So, for example, there is this word, An Nabiul Ummi. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Nabiyil Ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima. So, if you recite the salawat 80 times on Fridays after Asr, it means the forgiveness of 80 years of sins. So, that An Nabiul Ummi. What is the word Ummiyun? So, you have the word Ummun, mother, and then you add a Ya'un Nisba, which means the one who belongs to. Just like you have Makkah, Makkiyun, the one who belongs to Makkah or from Makkah. Madaniyun from Medina. Hindiyun, Pakistaniyun, Amerikiyun, and so on, Misriyun, Saudiyun. You have, you understand? This Ya you're adding is called Ya'un Nisbah, the Ya of attribution. So Ummiyun means the one who belongs to the mother. Mawala. What, why, why, uh, why is he called Ummiyun? Most of us probably know that Ummi is referred to who? Refers to? With respect to other human beings, we translate it as illiterate. With respect to Rasulullah because it has a negative connotation. We translate it typically as the unlettered. If you have been reading Sirah here and there, you may have come across these terms, the unlettered prophet. Otherwise, you may be hearing first time. Either way, it's okay. So the unlettered prophet. Has anyone come across that term? It's very common. Right. So Ummi, you want me? Oh, so we say, oh, Ummi is the one who can't read and write. But actually, again, literally, Ummi means the one who belongs to the mother. And that is to remind us, He is the one who brought you forth from the wombs of your mother. What condition? You did not have any knowledge. You did not know. So when a person is born, meaning a baby is born, human baby is born, You don't know anything. You don't come with a degree. You're not born with a degree. So Ummiyun means he's on the natural fitra, in the natural way he was when he was born. Meaning he doesn't have a degree. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to read or write. So being an Ummi, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because the Ummiyun doesn't know how to read or write. So reading and writing, if the now, see this is a, again another potential objection. That, wait a second. Isn't there a lot of emphasis on reading and writing in our deen? Learning? Yes. This is not, it's very directly tied up with this ayah, in case you're wondering what's going on. It's very much directly tied with this ayah, what I'm talking about. So, so learning to read and write is emphasized. How so? 
I can, we can go on talking about those ayat, but I think this is established fact. Allama bil qalam. He taught with the pen. Allama al-insana ma'alam ya'alam. He taught human beings that which he knew not. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the qalam in the Quran, speaks about reading, writing. All the hadith about learning ilm. Utlub al-ilm, utlub al-ilm, fulam, fulam. Study knowledge, uh, study deen, study ilm. So learning how to read and write is emphasized. So, and remaining ignorant is a bad thing. Yet Rasulullah has the title of Ummi. And there's something that he is, uh, is considered a praiseworthy title. So how is it praiseworthy? So it's praiseworthy only with respect to our Rasulullah not praiseworthy with respect to us. Because every single time when we say he's an Nabi or Ummi, we're emphasizing something. We're emphasizing the fact that he has no human teacher who taught him to read and write. And these asbab of ilm, the normal means of acquiring knowledge, he did not have. So we are negating the fact that he had the normal means of acquiring knowledge. We are not negating the fact that he had knowledge. In fact, he is, of course, by default, a'lamul nas, the most knowledgeable human being. And he was the a'lamul khalq, the most knowledgeable of the entire creation of Allah. His knowledge is greater than the knowledge of Jibreel and anyone else that you can imagine has a lot of knowledge right? because he's afdalul khalq ajma'in he's the best of the entire creation so he has a lot of knowledge but we want to emphasize he doesn't have the means of acquiring knowledge and negating the means of acquiring knowledge in this context is something praiseworthy how so? because you're emphasizing the fact subhanAllah he didn't acquire knowledge like everyone else does but rather he received knowledge directly from Allah that's the middle adunna that's the middle adunna you acquire the knowledge directly from us so you see this solely from us, min ladunna. For us as well, as human beings, there's two types of knowledge. One is the kasabi knowledge, which we acquire through the normal means. Reading a book, listening to a lecture, this is kasabi. One is wahhabi, granted by Allah. Or ladunni, using the same word min ladunna, is called ladunni ilm. Ilm ladunni. And both of them are indicated in iqra bismi rabbikal ladhi khalaqal insana min alaq. Iqra wa rabbukal akram. Alladhi... The one, Allama bil qalam and Allama al insana ma'alam ya'alam. Allama bil qalam, he taught with the pen. So, what is, written, what, what is written with a pen? Text. So, text is something you read. So, is this a normal means of acquiring knowledge or a supernatural means? It's a natural or supernatural? Natural. Normal or paranormal? Alright, <laughs> normal. It's normal. So, this is Allama bil qalam. He taught with the pen. Then the second form is right after that. What is that? <laughs> he taught human beings that which he knows not. What does that mean? He teaches human beings such ilm, they don't know that ilm and they have no idea about the means of acquiring that ilm too. This is the ilm ladunni. Right? So this ilm wahhabi and kasabi. That which is earned through the normal means, bil qalam, that which is given directly from Allah, ma'alam ya'alam. Now this, the exact same words you find in the hadith of Rasulullah What is one of the secrets? Wow, it sounds really nice. You get direct knowledge from Allah. <coughs> is that possible still? Not at the level of the Anbiya, because Wahi terminated with the Anbiya But after Wahi terminated, completed, there is still Ilham. And the Ilham is for the divine inspiration that comes to the awliya of Allah. The awliya of Allah are going to continue. The anbiya have completed. But the awliya will remain. So the awliya, they are also inspired by Allah. The alam al-insana ma'alam ya'alam continues. The divine inspiration continues. Okay, And this divine inspiration, 
Of course, it has its limits and everything. Can the divine inspiration be contrary to the wahi? No, it cannot. If if someone has if quote unquote is quote unquote super quote unquote feels that he's divinely inspired and he's coming up with ideas contrary to the div- revealed revelation, is that divinely inspired or shaitanic inspired? Devilish, shaitanic. Anyway, so the inspiration can continue, and you'll say, wow. Allama bil qalam, I want to read the books, but I want to have the Allama al insana ma'alam ya'alam. I want to get divinely inspired too. So, the narration for that is, man amila bima alima, then razaqahullah ilma ma'alam ya'alam. Whoever starts sincerely practicing on the ilm that he knows from the books, then Allah will give him the knowledge of that which he does not know directly from him. Man amila bima alima, whoever makes amal on the ilm that he learns with sincerity and istiqama. Allah will give the knowledge of that which he, know, which he does not know Subhanallah. So this knowledge came directly from Allah So with respect to Rasulullah The fact that he could not read or write It actually adds to the uh, uh, To Subhanallah Our appreciation of him being a Rasul of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala That he was truly uh, inspired by Allah Now this philosophy This concept is not something derived Rather, this is something which is already what? Explicitly mentioned. Explicitly mentioned by whom? By Allah. Where? In the Quran. He himself explained this. He says that, You don't know how to read books. He's telling Rasul in the Quran. You can't write with your hand. If you were able to do so, what would happen? Then those who want to invalidate the Quran and say it's it's made up, it's fiction, they would have an opportunity to cast doubts. There is no doubt. They would give an opportunity for those mubtilun ibtal from batil. They want to make the Quran batil, declared null and void. They would have an opportunity to cast doubts because they would say, "Wait, did you read up from the scriptures?" So that, like for example, you have. You know, Guru Nanak, he came up with the Sikh faith. He read from the Hindu literature, he read the Muslim literature, came up. You have the Baha'i faith, Baha'uddin, it's a beautiful name. Nothing about wrong with the name, but the individual I'm talking about. SubhanAllah. Sometimes you're talking about, when you say a name, you're referring to the ism, the name, or you're referring to the musamma, the one named. I'm referring to the one named here, not the name itself. So he, he, he came up with the Baha'i faith, and, and so many other people who mixed up stuff, they read right so if he was able to read then they would say hey you know you're making this up so the fact he could not read is significant allah ta'ala says if you could read or write people would say hey you read up different scriptures and you mixed it all up and created your hybrid faith bal rather wa ayatun bayyinatun clear evidence signs of allah fi in the hearts of those who have knowledge they can never doubt it much less reject it no one can in fact reject my ayat, Allah Ta'ala says, except for the kafirun. Illa al-kafirun and illa zalimun. comes twice. Except for those who are bent on injustice or bent on kufr, they will deny. SubhanAllah. So the fact that Nabi Wasallam did not know and was taught directly by Allah is so significant. And I may have mentioned this before, but to different crowd, like for example, when we were teaching, Okay, when you're teaching students in the madrasa, that's what we do. So in our profession, when the student is coming, by default, why is he coming to study with you? Because he feels you have some knowledge to impart to him that he doesn't have. That's why he's sitting there. 
if he already knew everything that you're teaching, then maybe he would go to the more advanced class. Now, he's there because he came to learn. So you teach the student. Do you keep on reminding him every single time you're teaching something new? Guess what? Did you know this? You didn't know this. Here I'm teaching you. You didn't know this. You didn't know this. You don't keep on saying that. Talk about reinforcement. Is that positive reinforcement or some negative reinforcement? Keep on reminding, bhai, that's why I'm here. Yes, you know, you are the allama. And I am the jahil. You know, tu amire haram mein faqire ajam, right? Right type of thing. You are the allama and I am the jahil. What do you want me to do? You want me to like tattoo on my chest, I am jahil? Why do you keep on reminding me? That's what they would say today, right? If you keep on saying, hey, you don't know. So many places Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does exactly the same in the Quran to Rasulullah When he's telling a story like what is the best story? The ultimate rags to riches story is the story of Yusuf salam. So let's, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say right in the beginning of, uh, of Surah Yusuf when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts and he, he himself said it's the best story. Ahsan al-Qasas, the best of all stories. We are narrating to you the best of all stories. We are revealing this Quran upon you. And guess what? And before the revelation of this surah, of these ayat, Ghafil is a really bad word, right? Ghafil gives a negative connotation. Ghafil insan tu, kitna ghafil mughafal. Right? You are unaware of what's going on, oblivious. Ghafil in different contexts a different meaning. Ghafil could be ghafil from the dhikr of Allah. The heart is ghafil. It's not dhakir. Over here, you are ghafilin. Again, we have to change the translation. To have adab with Rasulullah wasallam. So we will say, nawaqif uh, in Urdu. Meaning you were unaware. Prior to the revelation of these ayat, you were unaware. You did not know. In other words, you didn't know. Why, why is Allah Ta'ala pointing out you did not know? Again, emphasizing the fact that this is not something that Muhammad Sallallahu wrote up. This is a very common mistake. Like, if you ask a non-Muslim people, but nowadays even they may know if they're educated. It depends on how much they're educated. If you ask them, what's the Quran? So they say, oh, that's the book written by Muhammad. So what would a Muslim say? It's not written by Muhammad. Inshallah, I hope I have husnadhan with every kalima recited Muslim, kalima go Muslim. He will say, no, no, no. Is the Quran a book written by Muhammad? Na'udhu Billah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam It is not written by Muhammad We will say what? Revealed by Allah Revealed by Allah So you didn't write this You didn't come up with this You did not know It's, it's like emphasized So many places You didn't know about this story Remember this was because the The mushrikeen of Makkah They sent a delegation to Baytul Midras The rabbinical seminary in Medina To go and get an examination Questions to prove the veracity of Rasulullah And they came and asked the question that Musa salam and the Bani Israel were in Egypt, whereas Yaqub is, the, is his name is Israel, and he had 12 sons, 10 and brothers from the one wife, and the two from Yusuf and Yamin, other wife. The 12 brothers became the 12 tribes of Bani Israel. Bani Israel means Bani Yaqub. So they were there in Canaan, in Palestine, and then how did they end up in Egypt? That's the question. So Rasulullah, how was he supposed to know? It's a different nation in a different time. Time and space, right? So time-wise, centuries ago, place-wise, different continent, different, not continent, but different, far-off country. Masjid al-Aqsa, far, farthest mosque. It's very far from there. 
So if he is giving the answer, it's because he did not know. It's only because Allah revealed. It's only because Allah revealed. He's speaking on behalf of Allah, not from his own side. Subhanallah. And again, it's emphasized at the end of Surah Yusuf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, in Surah Yusuf, right when the story is ending, everyone, inshallah, I believe, knows the story, but Allah ta'ala says at the end, subhanallah, after the beautiful reunion of the father and the son, and everyone hugs and embrace and they forgive each other. Shaitan came in and made the brothers hate each other. Now everyone's together. The ultimate best ending. And they lived happily ever after. Right? So then what happens after that? Allah Ta'ala said, See, all of the above, these are Amba. We just covered it, right? Amba news. Al Ghayb of the unseen. We are the one sending this revelation upon you. How do you know it? You don't know it. I am resending it to you. Okay, now, which part of the story was Rasulullah physically present with them? Is there any part of the story he was there? No. So Allah Ta'ala says after that, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ And you were not present. Now, you were not present when? When Yusuf Islam told his father, Oh my dear father, I see 11 stars and the sun and moon making such that to me. You were there? No. You were not there when the father said, Oh my dear son, don't tell the story of your dream to your brothers. They'll plot against you. You were not there when Yusuf Islam forgot the advice of his father when he told his brothers. You are not there. Every single scene, you could continue to say, You are not there, you are not there, you are not there. But Allah Ta'ala picks one scene from the entire story. It says, وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ O Nabi Wasallam, You are not there إِذْ أَجْمَعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ When the brothers sat together making their secret plot. وَهُمْ يَمْكُرُونَ When they're doing makar. So what happens is that when the brothers are sitting together, they're plotting. Why is it? Now, there is a private gathering, private meeting that's taking place. And Nabi Sallallahu is not there. As we said, he's not there in any of the scenes. But why is this scene highlighted? Right? Doesn't it, the, uh, doesn't uh, the question come to mind? The reason is that the entire minutes of that meeting, who said what, are recorded. And the Prophet Sallallahu is telling us. إِذْ قَالُوا لَيُوسُفُ وَأَخُوا Oh, they said Yusuf and his brother, أَحَبُّوا إِلَىٰ أَبِينَا Why does our father love him more? We are strong. Then one said, اُقْتُلُوا Yusuf, Let's kill him. Then another person in the meeting, right? He said, no, no, اِتْرَحُوا أَرْضًا Throw him in a far off land. Then someone said that, then قَالَ قَائِلُوا مِنْهُمْ The oldest brother, he came. He said, no, 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 لا تَقْتُلُوا Yusuf. How about you don't kill him? أَلْقُوهُ فِي غَيَابَةِ الْجُبْ Throw him in a well, etc., etc. People will, passing caravans will take him. So you get rid of him, you won't have your, his blood on your hands. So the whole, all the minutes of who said what of the meeting are narrated by Rasulullah So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, any other part of the story, if someone is you know, bent on denying the Quran, devil is an advocate, and it's a devil inspired by the devil, he will say, oh, yeah, these are historical facts, maybe he found out through other means. But this meeting, those who participated in the meeting, first of all, it was a secret meeting. And they were very, 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 very embarrassed about it. 
Because at the end, Ya Abana Staghfir Lana Dhanubana, or Father, please forgive us, Inna Kunna Khati'een. And they were so embarrassed. Would they expose their own sins and tell everyone this is how we sat and plotted? No. So who knew exactly what happened in that meeting? Only the participants. And beside the participants, whether when you take the quorum of who's present or not, who's always present? Allah Ta'ala. That's also explicitly mentioned by Allah. We know He's there, but He talks about this in Surah Al-Mujadala. Allah Ta'ala says that, Whenever three people are having a private meeting, Najwa means it's not open door, like everyone's invited to Tuesday Tafsir. This is not a Najwa. A Najwa is happening somewhere else maybe. So when they are, it's a closed door, private meeting, that's called Najwa. Whenever three people are having a private closed door meeting, by invitation only. The fourth one is whom? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever five have a private meeting, The sixth is Allah. If they're less, or akthar or more, He's always there. Wow, He's there. So what? No, that's not the end of the story. He's there. Wherever they may be. Not only is there, He's recording. Not only is He recording, He'll be replaying. Then you will inform everyone exactly what they said and what they did. On the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect everyone. And inform them what they did. Allah has recorded it even though they themselves have forgot. They themselves have forgotten. Meaning they said it themselves but they forgot. They did it themselves, they forgot. And Allah will inform them subhanallah so in this meeting who was present only Allah was present but Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is telling us because he was the one who was present Allah who recorded the meetings he informed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam this is what Allah ta'ala says here we have sent you solely from us a revealed reminder the, the Quran has multiple names one of the names of the Quran is Al-Furqan the criterion Fulan, Fulan, so many names one of the names of the Quran what is the dhikra here? The reminder is the name of the Quran. Like, Inna nahnu nazzalna al-dhikr. We have revealed the dhikr. Which dhikr? The Quran, the reminder. Wa inna lahu lahafidhun, and we will preserve it, protect it. So, when Allah Ta'ala says dhikr, is referring to the Quran. So, the dhikr is that which does tathkir, which softens the heart and advises. And the tathkir of the Quran takes place in multiple forms. One is tathkir bi Allah through His signs, Allah reminds us. The signs are divided into signs, afaqi in the creation. And signs anfusi within your human being, your own existence, wafi anfusikum. Among, look into yourself, afala tubsirun, do you not see my greatness? So there's tathkir bi ala illa through the signs of Allah, then there's tathkir bi ayamillah through history, the signs of the, uh, uh, through the nations of the past. Allah Ta'ala tells Musa alayhi salam, wazakirhum bi ayamillah. Remind the people by mentioning the stories of the past nations. See, the Musa alayhi salam for us is past. But Allah Ta'ala is instructing Musa salam, when you are advising your people, you remind them of Qawm Aad and Thamud. Because Qawm Aad and Thamud predated Musa salam. Right? So <laughs> this is really amazing. You see, just like, okay, we are quoting st- stories of the Anbiya, right? Within the Quran, the Anbiya, when they are advising their people, well, who are they quoting? Stories of Anbiya that preceded them. It happens over and over again. You see that? Every time you see it, it's so amazing. Like, 
Shuaib alayhi salam, when he's advising his people, it just comes to mind. What does he say? He says, um, يَعْقُبِ لَا يَجْرِ مَنَّكُمْ شِقَاقِي أَنْ يُصِيبَكُمْ مِثْلُ مَا أَصَابَ قَوْمَ نُوحِ وَقَوْمَهُ دَقَوْمَ صَالِحِ وَمَقَوْمُ لُوطٍ مِنْكُمْ بِبَعِيدٍ Oh my dear people, I'm afraid the adha will come upon you like it came upon قَوْمَ نُوحِ and the قَوْمَ هُود and the قَوْمَ صَالِحِ وَمَقَوْمُ لُوطٍ مِنْكُمْ بِبَعِيدٍ In Sadoom, the cities of قَوْمَ لُوطٍ is not far from you. قَوْمَ لُوطٍ مِنْكُمْ بِبَعِيدٍ so this is tathkir number two, bi'ayamillah, past nations. And number three is bilmauti wa bima ba'dal maut. To remind through death and the scenes after death, like the yawm al-qiyamah. This is what Shawliullah rahmatullah al-Dahlawi mentions in Al-Fawzal Kabir fi usul al-Tafsir, the three types of tathkir. So this is min ladunna dhikra, we have revealed this Qur'an as a source of reminder. Man a'arad anhu, still whoever turns away from it, despite the above, فَإِنَّهُ يَحْمِلُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وِزْرَةِ He shall indeed on the day of Qiyamah He will be carrying a big burden See, wizran is a burden The reason the wazir is called the wazir Is because he bears upon his shoulders the burden of the king He's supposed to take all the burden Let the king hunt and enjoy the music And the dancing and all the other shahwat Right That's what like traditionally happened So the wazir is worried He has the wizard The wizard is the burden that's why they say if the wazir, if he was afraid of the malik, as he's afraid of the malik, then he would be a malak. Malik is Allah. The malik is the, the king. And malak is singular of malaika, angel. So, wizard is the weight. Allah Ta'ala says, لَا تَزِرُ وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى No one will bear the sin of anyone else. There's no concept of original sin. So, on the Day of Judgment, he will be bearing the torment of a most sinful burden. Who is this Aradan who turn, turns away from the Quran? What does Aradan who mean? Quran is being explained, Na'udhu Billah says, I could care less, I'm not interested. Or all the rights of the Quran you can apply here. So a person is not interested in reading the Quran. A person is not interested in learning the meanings of the Quran. A person is not interested in memorizing the Quran, reciting the Quran, practicing the Quran, propagating the Quran. So this all falls under I'rath, turning away from the Quran. So whoever turns away from the Quran, they will be Allah Rasulullah sallallahu will complain about them yawm al-qiyamah. Wa qala rasulu the Prophet sallallahu will say ya rab o my rab inna qaumi takhadhu hadha al-Qur'ana mahjura. My people after me they turned away from the Quran. Allah fasna jami'a. So the one who turns away, he will be bearing this burden. I want to move faster as I had given you what I was going to cover. So now I'm done with that. I want to cover the material. If you're done with the breadth for today, we go with the, I mean the depth, we go on the breadth now. Khalidin afi, they will remain therein forever. Right, Khalidin afi, forever and ever. Because if they were given a forever life, they would continue that. The one who is on ma'asiyah and sin, he he makes up his mind that uh, he's going to continue the sinful life. If he had 100 years, 100, 100 years of sin. 200, 200 years of sin. 1,000, 1,000 years of sin. So, since he has the intention that he'll continue to disobey Allah, if he had an infinite life, he would infinitely disobey Allah. Therefore, he deserves infinite punishment. Right? That answers the objection of, hey, wait a second, he disobeyed Allah 70 years, so let him burn in hell for 70 years. Now, the account is clear. 
Khalidina fi because he had the intention for, for khulud in his masiyah, for in, indefinitely disobeying Allah. So he deserves indefinite adab. And the one who is, subhanallah, indefinitely obeying Allah, I mean, the one who is obeying Allah for 70 years, what's his intention? As long as Allah grants me life, I will obey him. So if Allah gives him 70 years, he obeys Allah 70 years. But if he has, if he had 700 year life, what would he do? He would continue. So Khalidina fihi. They will remain therein forever. وَسَأَلَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حِمْلَ A most evil burden for them on the day of resurrection. يَوْمَ يُنْفَقَهُ The day when the trumpet is blown. Okay, so this is the whole concept of the trumpet now. How many trumpets, how many نَفْخُسُورِ there are? Two. Right? First blowing of the trumpet and second. What, what happens on the first one? Everyone dies. إِذَا نُفِقَ فِي الصُّورِ فَصَعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ Everything in the heavens and the earth will be destroyed. So, subhanAllah, yesterday uh, I was driving somewhere with the family and there was someone who, uh, you know, he, with his subwoofers and everything, he had, he's blasting his na'udhu billah shaitanic stuff, right? We don't want to even talk about it. But I'm just talking about the fact that what happens? Vibrations, right? When the sound, right? The decibel level reaches, then you have, it's a physical thing. Sound waves, right? So when sound travels, there's waves. And with the waves, it causes what? Scientifically, physically, what it causes? Vibration. At a certain point, it will start vibrations. Allahu Akbar. So this is exactly, it's a physical trumpet that is in the mouth of Israfil al-Salam. He's already like inhaled. How much he inhaled? Allahu Akbar, how much he must have been inhaled. Now he's ready to exhale. He's like on a pause. He's like, and he's just ready to exhale when the order comes. Like the composer or whatever, the, the one who is in charge of the band. When he moves his wand, then they start blowing the trumpets. So he is waiting, ready to exhale. So when he starts exhale, it's gonna, it's not, you know, like the volume, there's ascending volume, and then it's sudden, like you have your alarm. So some, you have the option. You, you, you don't want to like shock you awake, so, you, so you, you have the option of for the volume to slowly go up, right? That's what this one will happen too. So it comes in the hadith that people will be continuing their daily lives. One hadith is particular sticks in my mind, is talks about the fact that there will be uh, someone buying clothes that tells us that the libas will continue ila yomil qiyamah even though how much libas will be left Allah like one of the mashayikh he came you we were doing a khidmah we asked him how did you find America so he said right so it was summer so he, he was saying they have big roads big cars tall buildings but unfortunately the poor people have they don't have, they have so few clothing. This is what Rasulullah said, الْعَارِيَات The curse of Allah, those who are wearing clothes yet naked. Wearing clothes yet naked is a contradiction. You're wearing yet naked. It's three meanings. Number one, you're wearing, you're wearing, technically yeah, you're wearing, but you're wearing so what? Less amount. Number two, you're wearing, but it's so tight. It reveals the form, like naked. Number three, you're wearing, and it's covering your whole body, it's not so tight, but it is what? Transparent, see-through. So, anyway, clothes will be there. So the guy, it says in the hadith that he will be taking out his rolls of cloth and he will be spreading it. Look at this material, look at this one, look at this one. They shock you with so many. And they take so many uh, rolls out and they open it up and it's like some labor involved in opening it and then, you throw, then they show you so many colors then you feel sorry, man, the guy did so much effort he's like huffing and puffing and sweating, I gotta buy something. Right? That's part of the whole marketing. So, 
you will open all the colors and there will be people looking at the colors why is the woman or the man uh, right looking at the color because they're planning to buy then they're planning for it to be cut then it's going to be what tailored then after it's tailored it's going to be ready because there is a party you know the story how it goes right so there is a party coming up and in the party she's going to be wearing the dress but and you ask her wait a second don't you have so many dresses but it's like one of those like disposable <laughs> wear once and throw it away no wear once and hang it forever and then you need a new one right it's okay whatever right so you have another one no i wore that one already right <laughs> so anyway so she needs a new dress for the new party allah this is where the joking ends then what happens there's going to be a slight murmur. They're going to be like, wait a second, what's that? Is that an alarm? Slowly, and then it's increasing in tempo. The hadith goes that they're still buying the cloth, but guess what? That cloth will never, that sale will never end. The cloth will never be cut. It will never be tailored. And she will never wear it. And there will be no party. Why? Because Qiyamah will come. That's how sudden it's going to come, right? No warning. Well, there's enough signs that have occurred for those who take heed. But these are the people who do not take heed. So, the trumpet. So, is going to start vibrations. Everything is going to be destroyed through the vibrations. And then there's a period where there's everything is destroyed. Allah Ta'ala will say, You will ask who, who has authority today. No one will be able to respond. He'll respond himself. Then it, the trumpet blows again. This alarm, because now the, the, the whole human, humanity, they are what? In the Adam of Barzakh, in between the blowing of the first trumpet and the second trumpet. How much time will elapse? Allah alone knows best. Then one of the second time the trumpet will be blown. This one is similar to which? To the alarm clock. Because what happens, when the alarm rings, you get up on your bed. So when this b- trumpet will happen, blow what will happen? Then they will rise up from their graves. One hadith says, Why wiping out the dirt from his eyes? What an imagery. So he's wiping out the dirt from his eyes and he's coming up. The disbelievers will say, Oh, woe unto us. Who woke us up from our sleep? Who put on this alarm clock? Which alarm is this? Second blowing of the trumpet. And the believers will say, Surah Yaseen, Rahman. Oh, this is what Rahman had promised us to Sadaq al-Mursaloon. The messenger did speak the truth. We were expecting this alarm. We were in fact waiting for it. Because what is to come is, inshallah, eventually Jannah. So, but when this trumpet is blown, المجرمين, we will assemble the defined unbelievers. Yomaydin on that day, Zurqan, ashen with terror. Their eyes will be ashen. Right? Zurqan, uh, actually, some have mentioned it blue because Azraq, those who know the colors, it's blue. But ashen is a give better translation because it gives the indication that, uh, that their eyes are as if they are burnt with horror, with terror. They are in a terrible, terrible condition. Allahu Akbar. This mujrimeen. So, what happens in the dunya, the mujrimeen and the mu'mineen are together. They're camouflaged. But on the day of judgment, the mujrimeen, the salihin, so there are some wolves in sheep clothing. So along the salihin, there's some mujrimeen hiding in there. But yom al-qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will say, وَمْتَازُ الْيَوْمَ أَيُّهَا الْمُجْرِمُونَ Oh, the mujrimoon, you have been hiding out with the salihun, and everyone thought you were salihun. But you're not salihun. I know the entire time you are mujrimoon. But today, 
you your your you will be unmasked your reality will be shown come aside that's why imam buhani one night he was reading and came to this ayah he continued repeated and crying at the entire night I love the righteous ones even though personally I'm not one of them. I hope by my love of the righteous ones I will be granted some righteousness. That's what Imam Abu Hanifa said. They'll be murmuring to one another softly. You have stayed only 10 days in the earth. This is the first um, opinion. But guess what? There are people who are more intelligent. These people, they thought, hey, we, we stay 10 days. We alone know what they are saying. The one who is the most intelligent one, what will he say? No, 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 you guys are wrong. We didn't stay 10 days. It was only one day. Allah. We have to hurry up now. Time for Q&A is coming. But there is one, one very beautiful hadith. It's so beautiful. I would t- typically like, love to experience it myself and, and uh, enjoy it while sharing it. But I'm going to go a bit quicker with it. On the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask uh, the malaika, take this person on a tour. Like I said, we're always giving tours, right? The seminary, this and that. So give a tour of, of Jannah. Right? So the hadith mentioned the person who had the what? most difficult life greatest amount of physical hardship emotional trauma difficulty upon difficulty financially emotionally physically he had so much difficulty sickness death of loved ones pain turmoil the worst possible life and but a righteous one allah will call him and say take a quick tour of jannah quick flyby tour and then he will come back and and allah will ask him how was your worldly life what will he say and never had a single moment of any pain. So a few seconds during Jannah, he'll forget everything. Then a, pers- 